Welcome to Bibles and Barbells, a podcast for moms who need encouragement, support, truth, and health that is rooted in the Word of God. I'm your host, Rebecca Creel. As a reminder, check out my episode notes for any links or information pertaining to today's episode. With that being said, let's go ahead and get started. Welcome back to Bibles and Barbells podcast. This is episode two. And as of today, with this episode, I want to lay this foundation of what I think that health is. Health is not a number on a scale. It's not what size jeans you wear. Because ladies, you all know that that varies from store to store. And it is so incredibly frustrating. It's not what you eat. It's not Um, all these things on the surface can be used to measure health and can be used to measure progress. Health is so much more. It's mental, it's emotional, and it's spiritual. And I want to basically start laying this framework over the next few episodes specifically of why I decided to start this podcast and why I believe that this is so very important, especially I feel like for women, for moms to really hear that it doesn't start with what's in your pantry. It doesn't start with any type of juice cleanse or any type of beach body program. It starts with Jesus. So today we're going to look at two sides of the health industry. We're going to look at, well, and, and biblically, we're going to look at the word today. I am going to be going to um, the word and reading through some scripture, but we're going to look at vanity And we're going to look at wisdom and the difference between the two and how to navigate our life um, in a healthy way by not focusing so much on the vanity or the vain aspect of our bodies and how we look, but focusing on what is wise, what is wisdom for us to do. And we'll um, be looking at the Bible for these two aspects as well. And I don't want to leave guys out too, um, because I feel like at this point, especially for those of us that are in our 30s, I feel like we were really bombarded in the 80s and the 90s with a lot of these aerobic workout videos, at-home programs. Um, Slim Fast came out, the Atkins diet. There were so many things that really started to come out and be, they started to be pushed on for weight loss and for health. If you want to look better, drink this. If you want to be smaller, do this, drink this, eat this, don't eat that, work out. But, you know, all these different things were starting to be thrown at us as well as the development of technology. We went from AOL to having, you know, having AIM and Instant Messenger to having dial-up to all of a sudden having routers. And then all of a sudden we started to see this rapid development of flip phones. Um, I had the Razor. The Razor was like the best for T9 texting. (laughs) 
because I could text underneath my desk during high school class. And um, from there, I had the LG chocolate and I was able to get the iPod and then the nano iPod and just all the things. We were born and thrust into this generation of rapid changing technology, social media images, airbrushed photos. And it really began to take a toll on us um, in this generation. And I'm not saying the other generations have not had this impact, but I feel like because we were um, on the border and on the cusp of between two worlds, we were just bombarded with these picture-perfect images of what we were supposed to look like and what health was supposed to look like. And the men, I don't want to leave you out either because I feel like that's not even as talked about in the health industry as, um, you know, everyone talks about these unrealistic beauty standards for women. They have them for men too. They have so many more models. There's more of the plus size models for women than there are plus size models for men for sure because men are supposed to have the chiseled biceps and the pecs and the abs. And so it's not just for women. These, I mean, images are everywhere and these standards and what's forced into your face of what you are to look like and what you are to be is, it surrounds us every day. And although I do feel like it's getting a little bit better because people are are openly talking more about, hey, we need to represent all body types and we need to stop editing photos as much that van that that vein or that vanity side of humanity is still going to be there because <laughs> we're very vain people. We forget of the overall picture and we like to get focused on what's now, what's right in front of us and living for today. And I'm sure by now you have grown tired of for lack of a better word, the BS that the health industry has thrown at us. We're told that we should not eat fruit because of sugars, but then we're told that we need the antioxidants and the vitamins and minerals from fruit. We're told that we need to eat vegetables, but not cruciferous vegetables because they're going to make you gassy and cause you to bloat. We're told to eat meat, but not unorganic meat because of the hormones in it. Um, eat processed foods, but uh, only in small amounts. Try to buy organic when you can. If you can't buy organic, then I guess you're out of luck and you're never going to be healthy because only healthy people buy organic. There's just so much information out there and it can be so overwhelming whenever you're looking at this and you know that you want to make a change and you know that you want to feel better about the skin that you're in and feel better about the body that you're in. But everywhere you turn, you know, someone's pushing a juice cleanse or a tea or a mix or some type of quick fix. And you've probably done those before. You've probably done keto or some type of no sugar diet or some type of three day shake or whatever the case may be. You've probably done that and um, you saw results for a very short period of time. And then you went right back to what you were doing before. And so what it does is it just, it's this perpetual 
rise and fall of, oh, we feel good about our bodies, and then all of a sudden we have slumped back down into old habits, and we feel bad about our bodies again. We have no self-control. We have no joy. We look in the mirror, and we feel absolutely disgusted. We want to be able to wear certain brands or types or sizes of clothing, but we just can't seem to get there. And what began is trying to be healthier. We end up just being lost in this mental turmoil of this roller coaster of self-loathing and just hating what you see when you look in the mirror. I was always a bigger kid growing up. I was extremely active. I've always been an athlete, but I was just bigger. I was never the smaller kid. I could not fit in the Abercrombie and Fitch clothing, the Hollister clothing, Aeropostal or Aeropostal. I never figured out how you say the name of that store. Sometimes I could wear American Eagle, but those were like the major name brand clothing that I remember growing up, going to public school. And it's like, if you didn't wear that, what were you doing with your life? You know, so it was like, (laughs) I would beg my mom to go into these stores. She would take me in there and I would buy the men's clothing because I just thought that if you wanted to be in the crowd, you would wear the Hollister shirt that had the little bird on it. I spent so many years of my young adult life, or I guess just adolescence, of being so uncomfortable with myself and looking at other people and how they looked and their outfits. And, you know, I just, I wish I could tell that girl, (laughs) that little girl, Rebecca, what I know now. You know, I wish that I could go back and convey that she's going to waste so much time and energy and effort in that mental anguish of wishing and hoping to have a certain type of body type and thinking that that mattered, thinking that that was just (laughs) the most, oh my gosh, just the, the most important thing. And it wasn't. There's always this teeter-totter, too, of whenever you start to lose weight and you kind of just get in this rhythm of what works for you and growing, you could say, in the wisdom of how to better feed your body and how to move and how to how to lift and, and everything that comes along with that. That vanity side will always, always creep back in. And I, for one, have to be very, very careful because I look at the progress that I've made over the last you know, year especially, but just year to two years. And when I do side-by-side photos, I am just blown away by the changes and the differences. And it's so easy to, you know, post a picture of me flexing or just me of like a, even not even a before and after, but just, you know, posting the selfies, posting the photos. And I think we do this you know, anyway, it's like when we are going out on a date night and we've got a full face of makeup on or men, whenever, you know, you are dressed very nicely, we always have that just temptation of, oh, let me take a picture of it and let me show people. And I'm not knocking on that. I'm not dissing that. Um, But I'm saying when we apply that to health and, you know, physically and mentally And emotionally trying to just overhaul how we think about food, how we approach food, how we approach working out, and everything that just kind of comes with that. We need to keep our eyes fixed on 
the wisdom part of it is what I'm trying to convey to you. This, this constant vanity versus wisdom battle that is going to be ongoing. There's this real audio going around right now on Instagram, and it's basically, uh, it's this guy and he's saying it's funny how there are really bad habits that get normalized, like drinking and partying. And, you know, people look upon that as normal. But whenever you talk about going to the gym every day or eating healthy, then people are like, oh, you're one of those, huh? Or you're, you're you know, why are you stuck up inside of your little world that, um, you're just so focused on yourself. You're just so focused on on what you eat. You can't enjoy anything. You can't have a drink. You can't go out. And there's kind of this stigma against people that, um, you know, lift weights or prioritize gym time. And there's also on the flip side of that, there's a stigma against people that are not that don't look as physically fit. Um, maybe they have thyroid issues. Maybe they have gut issues. Maybe their hormones are super crazy and they've done everything that they can do to try to lose weight and they're just stuck. And maybe they're not financially able to hire a nutritionist or to hire some type of personal trainer, but they genuinely care about what they eat and they research things and they are very careful about what they watch and listen to and just overall holistic view of health And if they don't look a certain way and if they're not cut and they don't have muscles, then people disregard them and they're like, oh, well, you're fat and lazy or you're unhealthy. So we just have this kind of twofold system where we view people who are careful of what they do with their bodies and how they eat. And they're looked at as basically kind of being a stick in the mud. And then we look at people that maybe don't look exactly like that, and we automatically assume that they're not healthy. I can tell you right now for a fact that I was concerned starting this Bibles and Barbells deal that if I did not have visible muscle on my, you know, bicep or trap or whatever it might be, that if I didn't visibly look the part, I was worried that I was not going to be taken seriously. And there's even a little bit of pressure now if I'm being completely and 100% honest with you, to make sure that I am maintaining that or growing in muscle um, or trying to cut and lean out a little bit so that whenever I'm posting reels or whenever I'm posting pictures of me representing Bibles and Barbells, that people can look and be like, oh, she knows what she's doing. She's got a little bit of that shoulder delt muscle going on or she's got some abs or whatever the case may be. And that right there, that's vanity. (laughs) That's not wisdom. But unfortunately, that's kind of how the world works. And it's sad. It's sad that the world works like that. It's sad that there's people that are genuinely health-driven. They care about their bodies. And they're not a size 2, so they immediately get cast off as just not being worth anything, not being, you know, active, oh, you're lazy, etc. You've probably been there before, or you may have had that viewpoint towards someone at some point in your life too, because it's just one of those bias things that we are born into, because we are born into a world that is sinful, and we're born into a world that's vain. 
And right now I want to jump into vanity a little bit because the Bible has a lot to say about vanity. And I just kind of cherry picked um, a few verses. This is not even all of them. But the reason for this moving forward and the reason why I wanted to do this podcast first, well, it's episode two, but technically kind of the the root of the next few that are, that are going to be more health based um, is because I just want to remind you where our focus needs to be. So Proverb 31 verse 30 says, favor is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. And you probably don't need reminding, but life is a vapor. It can be taken in a second. If you've lost anyone that's close to you, you probably have a deeper meaning of this because one minute they were there and the next minute they're gone. We're not guaranteed anything in this life. We can know that for sure. Death is imminent (laughs) for each and every single person. And I say that not to be depressing or not to bring this (laughs) podcast down a little bit, but just to remind you that, you know, we can spend time on our bodies and we can have the epitome of health and then we could crush our leg in a car accident the next day. (laughs) This is why the vanity aspect of health, the way that we look, the gene size that you fit into, that number on the scale, that is only a very teeny tiny fraction of health. It doesn't depict how healthy you are. It doesn't depict your spiritual, um, it doesn't depict your spiritual health, your mental health, or your emotional health. Samuel 16 verse 7 says, but the Lord said unto Samuel, look not on his countenance or on the height of his nature, his stature, because I have refused him for the Lord seeth not as man sees, for the for man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord look, um, looks on the heart. The Lord doesn't care what you look like, doesn't care if you got zits, doesn't care if you got the latest eye makeup, doesn't care if you've got chiseled abs and pecs for you men that are listening to me. He wants to know what grows in the garden of your heart, what is in your heart, and we'll actually get more into that within the next couple of episodes coming up. Ecclesiastes 5 verse 10 says, He that loveth silver shall not be satisfied with silver, nor he that loveth abundance with increase. This is also vanity. Ecclesiastes 2 verse 11 says, Then I looked on all the works that my hands had wrought, and on all the labor that I had labored to do, and behold, all was vanity and vexation of spirit, and there was no profit under the sun. And that makes me chuckle every time I listen to it because it reminds me of household duties that we have to do, especially parents. You know what I'm talking about. Day in and day out, you're cleaning the same toilets, you're picking up the same laundry. My kids love to leave random socks all over the floor and it drives me absolutely nuts. And it's like every time I go to bed, I wake up and I do it all over again. Vanity and vexation of spirit. <laughs> Ecclesiastes 1 verse 2 says, Vanity of vanity, saith the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. If that does not sum it up, I don't know what does. And 1 Timothy 4 verse 8, 
For bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that now is and that which is to come. And that's probably really ironic coming from someone whose podcast is named Bibles and Barbells and obviously loves to lift heavy things. Bodily exercise profiteth little. Little. It's not where our focus should be. All right, so if you're a believer, you're probably going to be like, she's going to talk about how your body is a temple and that we need to take care of our bodies. That's not where I'm, <laughs> that's not where I'm going. We're actually going to go to Daniel for the wisdom part of this podcast. So this section of scripture doesn't talk about deadlifting or nutrition, <laughs> but uh, just hang on with me for a second. We're just kind of, I'm going to kind of glean some things from Daniel and do like a little overview and then read from there as well. I just got done talking about vanity and how our body is going to uh, return to dust <laughs> where it came from. It's going to rot in the ground one day. We are not guaranteed tomorrow. Um, you know, we, we have a body, we do need to take care of it, but we do need to remember that life is a vapor. So that's just the, the vanity part of it. We, we need to remember that when we get, we grow old, there are going to be things sag and there's going to be wrinkles and there's, a, you know, people can get Botox, but eventually, Stuff is not going to look the same that it did before. That's a guarantee. So I'm starting in Daniel chapter one, and I'm going to start at verse three. Just a little bit of backstory and where we're bringing this into is the people of Israel, the Jews and the nation. They're no longer a nation anymore. They have been brought underneath an, a different authority. They're no longer underneath um, their own kings. They have been infiltrated at this point right now by Babylon and by King Nebuchadnezzar. So they're out of their land. They're not with their people. They're scattered everywhere. And they have a new king with new rules and they get renamed. They don't even have their Jewish names anymore. All right. So starting in verse three, it says, and the king spake to Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs, that he should bring certain of the children of Israel and of the king's seed and of the princes, children in whom was no blemish, but well-favored and skillful in all wisdom and cunning in knowledge and understanding science and such as had ability in them to stand in the king's palace and whom they might teach the learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans. And the king appointed them a daily provision of the king's meat of the wine which he drank, so nourishing them three years, that at the end thereof they might stand before the king. Now among these were the children of Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, unto whom the prince of the eunuchs gave names. For he gave unto Daniel the name of Belshazzar, and to Hananiah of Shadrach, and to Mishael of Meshach, and to Azariah of Abednego. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now God had brought Daniel into favor and tender love with the prince of the eunuchs. And the prince of the eunuchs said unto Daniel, I fear my lord the king, who hath appointed your meat and your drink. For why should he see your faces worse liking than the children which are of your sort? Then shall ye make me endanger my head to the king. Then Daniel said to Melsar, Melzar, whom the prince of the eunuchs had set over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, prove thy servants, I beseech thee, ten days, 
and let them give us pulse to eat and water to drink. Then let our countenances be looked upon before thee, and the countenances of the children that eat the portion of the king's meat, and as thou seest, deal with thy servants. So he consented to them in this matter, proved them ten days. And at the end of the ten days, their countenances appeared fairer and fatter in flesh than all the children which did eat the portion of the king's meat. Thus Melzar took away the portion of their meat and the wine that they should drink and gave them pulse. And as for these four children, God gave them knowledge and skill and all learning and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. I did not read that section of scripture because I am here to tell you that if you eat like Daniel um, and you eat vegetables and only drink water for 10 days, that you are going to be uh, a prophet or widely, <laughs> wildly blessed by God. Um, I just wanted to read that section of scripture because it's just one area of the Bible where someone um, displays wisdom and self-control. And self-control is kind of where we're going with all of this, because I would venture to say that if you struggle with health when it comes to being disciplined and reading the Word of God, or being disciplined to um, wake up early, which is, oh, which is my absolute worst <laughs> thing to do. I, I am not a morning person. I hate mornings. It takes like 60 cups of coffee to get me going. It's just a rough deal for me, okay? So if you're not a morning person, please message me and maybe we can text each other in the morning and try to make this a thing because I do want to be a morning person. I do want to wake up early and get stuff done. But there's um, a big, big thing that looms around self-control and wisdom. And there's a big thing that looms around doing what it is you know that you are supposed to do and doing what it is that that means um, physically, that means emotionally, that means spiritually, that means, you know, putting some things down that you know are not as beneficial for your body and picking up some things that you know that are going to be better for you. That means going for a walk that, you know, whatever the case may be. And whatever it is that you feel led to do as far as eating, drinking, and exercise, without self-control and without wisdom, without initiating those two things and putting them together, it's not going to be successful. Romans 12 verse 1 through 2 says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. The important thing to point out about Daniel is that he knew that going the way of what everyone else was doing and what was popular was not the way to go. He knew that, um, the Lord commanded them to abstain from certain meats, and he risked being killed by telling the eunuch, which was going to tell the king, that, hey, I've got a dude over here that says that he's not going to eat what you're providing. This free food that's being provided for him, he is choosing not to eat it because he does not want to disobey his God. The irony, too, is this king who would fill up on meats and wines, he did so because he was wealthy. And this was very, um, very popular for anyone who had a very higher 
class status, even some of those in the middle class, especially during um, in Europe and Asian countries, the the bigger you were, the the bigger stomach that you had, the more people looked at you and held you in high regard because they knew that you had money. You had money to eat. Peasants and those who were in lower class were thinner and often emaciated because they could not afford to feed themselves. And I'm not going to get too much into this because this directly ties into my next podcast episode. Okay, so I'm (laughs) trying real hard not to expound on some ideas here. But I will say this, there's wisdom in not going in the way of the world. There's wisdom in not looking the part and playing this perfect little piece of the puzzle that the world wants you to play. The perfectly flat stomach, the thin waist, the larger round bottom, the fuller lips, the perfectly arched eyebrows. All of this is vanity. All of it is a vapor and it all fades. It all dies. It is so much more wise to take the time to stop and ask yourself, what am I investing in in the future? What's going to be here after I die? What type of legacy am I going to leave for my family? How are they going to remember me? And more importantly, where is your soul going to go? Because there are two choices in that. You may say, well, I haven't really given the afterlife a whole lot of thought, or I don't really think that that's real. Um, I'm just kind of living for today and doing whatever makes me happy and where this life leads me. Life (laughs) is a vapor. It's time to start thinking about it. Because what if you're wrong? And what if everything that the Bible has to say about how it all ends is perfectly and 100% accurate and true. I am hoping and praying that you will continue on this journey with me as I get to share that truth with you. And I hope that I can just do a job worthy of his name and I can show you who he is and all of the grace and the mercy and the love that he has to offer you because he loves you more than anyone or anything can love you in this world. Tune into my next episode and we're going to continue building on this foundation that Jesus is our source of hope, peace, joy, and self-control we need in order to do health the right way. That's all for today. Thank you so much for joining me. Check out my website and platforms for more updates and info regarding show topics. The links to these are in my show notes. If the platform allows, please tap that five-star rating. Until next time, may your Bible stay open, your coffee be fresh, and that protein intake high. See ya.